um, how that works out um, to bear fruit in our life to make us look more like Jesus. And so our text this morning is just going to be a continuance of that, um, talking not necessarily about trial, but some of the things that come out of that and how we can see trials in their proper perspective. Um, so we're going to be starting in James 1.5 this morning. So would you please read with me? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. Like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So will the rich man fade in the midst of his pursuits. So, Heavenly Father, I just ask that as we open up your word this morning, um, as we look this morning to discover what wisdom is and how it can apply to our lives and how it bears fruit of a godly life. Father, would you make clear to us certain ways in our own lives how we can apply wisdom? Father, would you be gracious to us this morning in allowing us to understand your word for what it is? So, Father, I lift all this in your um, name of your wonderful Son, Christ. Amen. Um, So today, um, as you can tell, we're going to be talking about wisdom. And right off the bat, um, James does something really, really interesting. Um, He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Now, if any of you remember from the last time I was here, um, James 1 verse 4 ends, um, and you will be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. And so if James is going to make the claim that if we go through trials and we have this patient endurance that builds within us, which bears in us completeness and lacking in nothing, why then would James say, if you lack anything, ask the Lord? But by doing so, he's signaling that wisdom is a result of trials, that trials and wisdom are not independent, but they are connected to one another. The connection is purposeful on James's part. He could have used any other word he wanted here to say, oh, if you forget this or if you don't have this, but he purposely uses that word lack to draw a connection. He wants to make the claim that patient endurance, the full effect of completion that comes from that, and what completion is, as we talked about, is a life without want apart from the Lord. James wants us to know that that life apart from the Lord, um, that that completeness is being able to come to God and ask for his wisdom. When we are complete in the Lord, when we've gone through trials and we are fully dependent on him, we will come to him with wants and desires that reflect what he wants for our lives. And wisdom is a key part of doing that. And so this morning, what we really need to focus on is what wisdom is. And so I pulled my definition from this really wonderful book. Um, It's called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Um, And if you are a believer in the room, If you are a believer who likes to read their Bible, if you are a believer who doesn't like to read your Bible, if you are a believer who reads your Bible and walks away confused and doesn't understand what's happening, I would highly, highly suggest this book for you. It walks through every genre of the Bible. It's only about 300 pages. It's not one of those books you pick up and you read cover to cover unless you're a Bible student like me and a professor is making you do that. Um, But it'll walk through um, historical narratives in the Old Testament. It'll walk through epistles of the New Testament. And just explain what's going on and why 
the authors of the word are choosing to do that. It'll, it'll tell you what translations are good to use and maybe the, the faults and failures of a translation you're already using or the good parts of a translation you're already using. And so um, I just wanted to make you guys aware of that resource uh, because it was made aware to me this summer and it has been incredibly helpful um, in just the three months that I've been working through it. Um, but from Fee and Stewart's book, um, they gave this definition that wisdom is the ability to make godly choices in life. And so that connects above to our idea of trial and completeness um, because it would make wisdom responding under trial and turning to the Lord with joy. Wisdom will change our perspective. It will change the way that we see trials and everything else that comes into our lives so that we might gain endurance and gain faith in the Lord. Um, but wisdom isn't just about trial. It's not just about when those hard times and hardships come into our life, but in all walks of our lives, as we'll see in a little bit later in an example that James gives us. Proverbs, also the book of wisdom, would enforce this definition by saying that we, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and that knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So if wisdom is knowing God and his truth, knowing the commandments that he's given us, knowing the call that he's put on our lives as believers, then applying that truth to our lives is how we make those godly choices that wisdom gives us the ability to do. And the beauty of what wisdom is is it's not a matter of our age. Because if it's knowing God and his truth, then it's not a matter of age or philosophy or um, our intelligence. It doesn't matter how many degrees we hold or how much money we make because we can't buy wisdom. We can't earn wisdom. But it comes out of the fear of the Lord because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so what wisdom is then is our relationship with the Lord and our proximity to him is the core foundation of all Wisdom. Wisdom leads to faithful living. Faithful living means that I know the Lord. I know his call and his truth and his love. And so I live in a way because he has called me this and he has given me this. And I live out in a way that honors him. Wisdom keeps us from legalism. It keeps us from going, okay, I know this is the right thing to do. And so I'm going to do that so that God will love me. But wisdom says God loves me and has called me and lets me walk faithfully alongside of him. But the best part about wisdom and the fact that it leads us to a God-honoring life is that it's not one-sided. It's not just us following these cosmic commands that God has given us, but it gives us the ability to come to God knowing that he will be faithful to us. If we look at the rest of verse 5, it says that God gives generously to all without reproach. Generously here in the original language means straightforward and single. God is not hesitant to give. His generosity is there. It is immediate. But we can't pull away today. And what I want to make abundantly clear before we go into a little bit more is that this is not a name it and claim it prosperity gospel that we're talking about. This is not saying, hey, God, um, I could really use the newest, nicest version of my car, or I would really like another bedroom on my house, so I'm going to pray to you and ask for that and expect you to provide it. No, no, no. We're talking about asking of the Lord, walking away that is faithful, that our character might be built up like his, not our kingdom. We want our character, not our kingdom, 
to reflect God and what he's doing. So as we come to him as a single-minded, generous giver, we're not asking for tangible, physical things that make us have higher status or more wealth, but coming to God saying, God, how can I be more like you and live in a way that reflects that to everyone around me? And so God is not a hesitant giver. Um, but all he asks of us is that we come to him and ask. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. So if the goal of trial, if the goal of going through hard times is to look more like Jesus, and if God was quick to dispense wisdom and all of Christ's needs to him when he was on earth, why would he not do the same for us? Because God is a gracious and generous giver of wisdom, but we only need to ask of him in faith to receive it. And so this morning, the bulk of our time is going to be spent answering this question, how do I receive wisdom from the Lord? How do I receive this thing that gives me the ability to live a godly life before the Lord? And I would say that there are two ways in which we ask of God. The first is that we ask faithfully. Verse 6 starts by, let him ask in faith with no doubting. And so if we're going to ask faithfully, first, that means that we're going to ask knowing that we cannot make wisdom come to us on our own. It means that we are not going to go and exhaust all of our other resources before we come to the Lord and ask for his wisdom. This is something that I am entirely prone to do. I am one of the most indecisive, hardest decision makers ever. Jordan will turn to me on Thursday nights when we go on date night and say, where are we going for dinner? And my immediate response will be, I don't know. And it will be, I don't know, for probably another hour and a half unless she makes a decision before that. And while that's a silly example of what this looks like, when we go to the Lord and ask for wisdom, he is our first step, our first place to go. It does not exclude going to other people. It does not exclude going to those who are older and more experienced than us. But it means going to the Lord first. It doesn't mean that I'm going to go to my folks and ask them if I should take the new job that's been put on my plate or if I should go to the university that I think I should go to, or the seminary I think I should finish my schooling at. But it means that I go to the Lord first and say, Hey God, I know that you know the answer. I know that you know the direction. So will you please endow me with the ability to make godly choices in this situation that will honor you? And going back to that silly example of Thursday night date nights when I don't know where to go, it's easy to say wisdom has nothing to do with that, but maybe it does. Maybe there's a restaurant me and Jordan frequent, and a server knows us, and we get to love on that server every week. That is living a godly life. That is wisdom applied to life. So if the first way of faithfully asking is asking without trying to build our own wisdom, then it's also asking knowing that God is faithful to provide. It means that we trust God to be a father who gives good gifts. In his Sermon on the Mount, um, Jesus had this to say, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asked him for a piece of bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, who, or your Father who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? Our Father in heaven is good. 
Some of us had the opportunity on this earth to have a great earthly father who gives us good gifts. I don't ever think of time when I turn to my mom or my dad and say, hey, I'm hungry, and they give me a rock and tell me to figure it out. I'm sure sometimes they may have wanted to, but they didn't. And so if my parents who are sinners are going to be quick to provide for my needs, how much more my God, who is pure and holy and unlike any other, going to provide for my needs? for our needs, for when we come to him and say, God, I need wisdom to make this decision. He will be quick to dispense if we ask, knowing that he is the one who is going to provide. We have to let God make his way in our lives. We don't need to craft our own ways. We're going to talk about it in a second, but we need to let him provide, and we need to be quick to ask and quick to have faith that he will do so. Just this week, I was in a um, curriculum meeting um, for my new job. I'm going to teach freshman and senior social studies at a small school in Fort Worth. Um, So I'm at this curriculum meeting. I'm not a fan of curriculum or meetings, and so I was just overjoyed to be there. And I'm sitting with my boss and um, her equal, and then both of their boss, the principal of our school, and um, I'm obviously the odd man out um, in the room. And so they started talking about a third class or a new class that's going to be popping up and they don't have a teacher for it. Um, and my immediate response in life is to kind of throw my name in a hat, um, to put myself out there and to just kind of let what happens happen. Um, but as I've been preparing for this sermon for the um, last couple of weeks, I've been asking the Lord almost every day, God, will you just provide the wisdom that I need for the situations that I know I'm going to face? And in this moment, my mouth was shut, um, which is not common. Uh, My family is here. They will attest to the fact that my mouth almost never stops talking. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons that I do really well up in the pulpit. That's a joke. Um, But um, so I'm sitting there. My mouth is quiet. My boss turns to me and she goes, hey, BJ, what time on Mondays do you have to leave? And I told her, I was like, that class that you have me in right now, I have to leave right after that because I have a class of my own that I have to be in all the way back in Dallas. And so she turned to her boss and said, I think we should move that class to Tuesdays. And I was just like, what is going on? And so the principal turned and said, well, I don't see any reason why it couldn't be on Tuesdays. And so my boss turned back to me and she goes, would you like to teach on Tuesdays instead? And I said, sure, sign me up. And so this was just an instance of the Lord dispensing his wisdom that I might be able to live in a situation um, that honors him. If I were to open my mouth and put my name out there, I would have been told that that class is at this time. I would have been disappointed in myself. I would have probably said no if the opportunity came back. But the Lord provided wisdom in that moment so that I might live in a way that was honoring to him, in a way that kept my mouth shut and let him work his way so that he might give me something that he knew that I needed. He, he knows that for the next couple of months I'm going to need that little boost in my pay because I'm a college student who has a lot of plans and a lot of things that are going to be changing and happening in the next few months and that I need that. And so wisdom, um, while it is good and it is important for big decisions, um, like what car to buy, what house to buy, what city to go to, what new job to take, it's almost more important and more applicable for those small little things every day, like when you're sitting in a meeting or you're trying to pick what restaurant to go to. Wisdom is key for us to live every moment of every life in a way that honors God. Just like in the book that we read, wisdom is the ability to lead godly lives. And so if asking faithfully, asking, trusting the Lord to provide, asking, um, knowing that God is the only true source of wisdom is how we receive from the Lord, um, then we have no choice but to look at the other side and see what kind of asking might prevent me from receiving wisdom from the Lord.
And this is toward the end of verse 8, when James says, describing the doubter, that he is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Um, I love the way that James describes doubt in this passage. Um, This is not the type of doubt that we read other places in Scripture, um, where it is a healthy doubt of the Lord and who he is that draws us closer to him, that often draws unbelievers to salvation, um, and that draws us into deeper fellowship and relationship with him. But this word is almost better, um, a hesitancy. A hesitancy to ask of the Lord um, in our time frame of asking, but also in the expectation that we have for him. This, uh, this person who asks is double-minded. He expects to receive nothing from the Lord. Um, earlier we talked about how that word generous can mean single or um, single-mindedly. Well, James uses that word to highlight God's goodness as he talks about the doubter who is double-minded. You have this single-minded, generous, giving God and this double-minded, hesitant, asking man. You have a God who is quick to give and a man who is not ready to receive, who's making his own plans, who's, who's going to others. Um, probably in this time frame when he was uh, writing this letter, um, probably going to other gods um, of the surrounding areas. He was probably going um, to seers or to necromancers or other forms of uh, prophets, if you will. But James is saying, no, 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 you need to come to our God, the God, the true wise one, and ask him for wisdom. This doubt is a mark of this man's instability. He's unstable in all of his ways. Every part of his life is being torn. He's not a man who loves the Lord with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's that legalist guy that we talked about earlier. He's the one who says, okay, if I do all of the right things, God will love me. Then he will dispense on me what I need when I ask him. But that's not the truth. And so he's unstable. One commentator said that the unstable man is marked by irresolution where moral choices are concerned. He cannot choose the path that is godly. He cannot choose the thing that God would want for him. And he goes on to say, thus his character is controlled by moods of doubting and he hesitates to act decisively. And it is no wonder that he cannot expect to receive from the Lord. He has not made a commitment to say, okay, God, I am asking you because you are a faithful and good God. He has said, okay, God, how about you give it to me while I go over here and try to work my own plans, how I, while I try to make my own way in life. And that's key to understanding what faithfully asking of the Lord is. We don't want to come to the Lord and ask for his wisdom um, or other godly character like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, or faithfulness. We don't want to come to him asking for those things and seeking them elsewhere. And so James is really um, faithful to provide for us um, a situation that we can learn from, that we can see wisdom applied. Uh, We can learn um, a really important truth of wisdom, and that starts in verse 9. So will you read with me? But the lowly brother boasts in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls, its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuit. Wisdom here for the lowly or the poor brother is that he is known and loved in Christ and raised above his station. And for the rich man, he is known and loved in Christ and lowered to his station. 
in Christ, whether rich or poor, whether with many degrees or without any degrees, with a stable job or with the hourly wage, we are all made equal in Christ. Galatians would say that there is no Greek nor Jew, male nor female, slave or free, but all are one in Christ. So not only is that a wise um, nugget that we can take away today, but what we see here is that the rich man who has all of these wonderful things here on earth will pass away, just like the flower. Um, I've had the beauty of watching my mom's grass this summer come up green and then die brown and then come up green and then die brown. I think we're in like an awkward yellow stage right now. The grass doesn't know what it wants to do. But I've gotten to see what it looks like for the grass and the flower of the grass to perish. And so will the wise man. Nothing that he has on this earth will he take with him. No matter what they throw in the tomb with him when he dies, only his soul is going to ascend to the highest heavens to be with his maker. And so the wisdom that he ought to have is that in Christ he is equal with the poor and every other person in Christ. His riches don't elevate him in the kingdom of God. If anything, um, from the teachings of Jesus, we can take away that it might even make his walk with the Lord harder. And so what James does is he is faithful to give an example of what it looks like to live a godly life. Um, And in this situation, that might be living with less because it builds up that relationship with the Lord. It, It raises you above your station so you have all the more reason to boast in the Lord. There's no escaping the end of this life, whether we're rich or whether we're poor. But in Christ, these two uh, believers are uh, us in Christ. We're more alike than different. We meet on the same level in Christ, for each is as high or as low as the other, no more, no less. And so wisdom, ultimately is being able to live a life honoring of the Lord, having the ability to make godly choices. And as we go into this week, I just want to encourage all of you to to seek that wisdom on a daily basis. Maybe you've asked of the Lord before for more wisdom or more kindness or more love or more faithfulness, and you just feel like you're not receiving. And I would challenge you to look back on what, what the characteristics of the doubter is, and maybe those are characteristic of your prayers or of the way that you hope to receive from the Lord. Um, and then I would also challenge you to, to pray faithfully um, for a characteristic of the Lord this week. Maybe, maybe you don't know what it is, and so maybe the first step is praying, Hey, God, I don't know what I need, but I know you'll be faithful to provide it, and asking that he would make us all aware of that. And so I'm going to pray for us this morning. Um, but before I do that, I do just want to say um, thank you so much for letting me be here this morning, worshiping with you guys. Um, Pastor Tim, it's always a pleasure. Um, like I said at the beginning, if you have any issues, if you have any frustrations, Pastor Tim is sitting in the second row, and he would love, love to talk to you after the service. But so would I, especially if we haven't met before. Please come shake my hand um, and let me know who you are. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for your grace. Father, without it, we would not be able to walk in relationship with you. For, Father, if fear of you is the beginning of all wisdom, my biggest prayer this morning is that those in here who maybe don't have a relationship with you would this week begin to realize that, would begin to seek you in a way they never have before to recognize that apart from Christ, life is only unstable. It is only not being able to make moral choices that 
please you. It's, it's a hesitancy in every way and in every aspect. So, Father, would you help all of us to turn to you this week and just ask for wisdom? Father, as we sit in meetings or we sit in restaurants or even in our homes, will we be able to make choices that honor you, that make your name known, that make people ask, why did they make that choice? It only set them back. And, Father, will we be reminded of the poor and the rich brother, that knowing where we stand with you is more important than where we stand with man and how that is one of the ultimate marks of wisdom. And so, Father, again, I just thank you for Christ and his sacrifice, for your love and your willingness to invite us into fellowship with you. And it's all in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Awesome. Well, thank you all again. And would you please receive um, this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. May he give you all wisdom to live lives honoring to him. And maybe he bless you as you enter into your monthly business meeting. <laughs>